podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisden World Cup Daily Podcast. India's inevitable march to the semi-finals continues. They made it four wins from four today in Pune. Uh, they won't be showing the highlights of this one in years to come. Bangladesh without their talismanic captain, Shakib Alassan, got off to a decent start with the bat. Tanzid and Litton Das both scored 50s, but thereafter were pegged back by the likes of Kuldeep, Bumrah, Jadeja and co. The run chase was a cakewalk. Uh, India lost three wickets, all of which were attempted heaves for six. But however routine the result, there were questions for India after the injury to all-rounder Hardik Pandya. And with no like-for-like replacement, not just in the squad, but in the whole country, they potentially have a difficult decision to make. I'm Yazrana and with me today is the Wisden India editor, Adia Sharma, who will also fill us in about the um, live stadium experience in India so far this tournament. I'm going to start with a little bit of a, of a rant though, Adia. Um, with 15 runs to win, Kohli was on 85. And from that point on, everything was about Kohli getting to three figures in what was, for me, uncomfortably manufactured. There were singles that were declined. Uh, Bangladesh bowled a few wides that you wouldn't be surprised to hear if they ended up being deliberate. And then you had a clear wide not given by the umpire when there's only two runs to win, which for me, by the way, uh, was by far the worst thing that happened. I think that damages the sporting integrity of the game and the tournament overall. And I didn't like it on a couple of cricketing levels. I think India are a team that is trying to promote selfless cricket. They're obviously playing a different brand of cricket to what they've done at previous tournaments. And it was clear that Kohli, as a senior player, was emitting a message to everyone saying, actually, individual stats do matter. And I thought it was an interesting insight into Kohli that this is a man who's aware of the stats because you've got that celebration at the end when he gets to 100. And hundreds are arbitrary marks for players to celebrate out anyway. But literally, in this case, what are you celebrating if this is the manner you get there? You know, you're crossing full tosses to deep mid-wicket and not running, relying on a generous bit of umpiring. He's basically celebrating what the number in his century column says on his quick info page. And, you know, you can tell that I don't like it. I think especially because I think Rohit and Gill clearly bat like players who aren't in it for milestones. They could have walked to hundreds today um but were were out trying to score as quickly as possible really um and i'd also be quite interested to to know what what bangladesh players think of it but anyway adi what were you what were, you, what were your thoughts <laughs> i think you've summed it well i don't think it looks good in a world cup game um even though it's a very comfortable chase um you know what the umpire did also did not look right uh what Kohli has done is given the broadcasters about three four days of footage that they can rerun until the next india game <laughs> So, but yeah, obviously it, it it just does not look good on TV. Yeah. Um. Anyway, India once more looked ominously good, dangerous to the ball, imperious to the bat. It doesn't always happen with India at major tournaments, but it feels like pretty much everything is falling into place at the right time. It seems to be. It seems to be uh, the bowling setup looks really good. Um. You know, all the bowlers have done pretty well. Uh, Batting-wise, you know, your top three has, has done ex- exceedingly well. And... Uh, I think overall, it's it's a pretty good place to be. Uh, for India fans, obviously, this is also something that they've experienced before and that lingering fear stays of peaking too early. Uh, you know, you don't want to see a lot of good stuff early into the tournament so that mm. you, you end up seeing all the bad stuff at the end. 
Yeah, I was thinking about it today. I think you can reasonably argue that India have the best two openers, the best number three, the most inform keeper batter at number five, the best seam bowling all-rounder, the best spin bowling all-rounder, the best seamer, and the most inform wrist spinner. If you were to pick a, a form world 11 at this very second, you could have as many of, as, as six, seven, or maybe even eight India players in it. Um, we've alluded to it a couple of times, Adia, that Hardik Pandya limping off the field early on in the Bangladesh innings was the big news from the game. He is literally yeah. irreplaceable. He's a number six who doubles up as a frontline bowler. There are very few of those in the world. We don't know how serious the injury is, but he didn't refer return to the field. How do you think India replace him if he is ruled out of a few games? Um, yeah, I think you said it in simple terms. Uh, Hardik Pandya cannot be replaced. What India can do is sort of tweak their combination and uh, get in safe just make it like six batsmen and five bowlers, six batters and five bowlers. Um, uh, they can get in Shami to sort of fill the space for the extra seamer that goes off. And in terms of the batting, they can get in Surya Kumar Yadav. Uh, there's also the option of having Ishan Kishan, but I feel Ishan Kishan has been a little out of depth uh, in, the, in the two games he played. So, yeah, Surya Kumar Yadav finds his way back into the ODI team somehow, mm. uh, if that happens. Yeah, Pandya is a very hard man to replace. My moment of the game, by the way, was was that Hardik Pandya over, seeing Virat Kohli complete it, his first bowl in ODI cricket in six years. And he has yeah. some list of ODI scouts, by the way, only four wickets in ODI cricket, but they are Craig Keyswetter, Quinton de Kock, Alistair Cook and Brendan McCullum. Um, and I love how, you know, one of the most technically correct batters the game's ever seen is such an ugly action. They, they, almost, <laughs> they almost cancel each other out. Um, what's your moment of the game? Also, don't forget the delivery that took Kevin Peterson's wicket of his yes. zero delivery in T20. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for the, for me, the moment of the game was I think that Bumrah Yorker yeah. that uh, got it. Who was it? Memorable is it? Uh, fast, accurate, as always, uh, hitting the base of the middle stump. That's really a fast bowler's dream, and it sort of encapsulates how Bumrah has been in this tournament for India as well. Just being perfect, near perfect, really. Him and Jadeja have just been sensational. Boomer averages less than 15, an economy of less than four. Jadeja has conceded forty runs, under 40 runs in all four games that he's bowled in so far. Um, we know that Boomer is brilliant, but there were question marks as to how brilliant he would be given that he'd spent so much time out injured. I almost feel that Jadeja's excellence is is more important in that, obviously, it's a World Cup and India's so spinners are going to play a big part, but he has been utterly brilliant so far particularly with how hard he is to get away it seems it seems like batters are really struggling to even rotate the strike against him yeah absolutely I think him and Kuldeep in the middle what they've done is that they've bowled a little defensive in the sense like they don't worry too much about not picking wickets they stifle the batters till till a point and after that either they pick up the wicket or someone else who's, who's coming in and I think in that sense Rohit has done a really good job in switching his bowlers uh, not ensuring there's monotony uh, with spinners from both ends. He's been changing and bringing in, say, Siraj or Ashadul Thakur in the middle and just keeping it different for batters. So they really don't get a lot of time to settle down. And Jadeja, as you said, I think accuracy has always been his biggest forte. And on these pitches, when it turns a bit, uh, you know, he bowls it quicker, it's very difficult for batters to, to, to you know, as you said, rotate strike, even if score runs. Mm. Well, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll talk a bit about Bangladesh, uh, more about India, and we'll look forward to tomorrow's game and a bit more.
Um, on the game itself, a bit on Bangladesh, Shakib obviously a massive miss for them. Shanto filled in as captain. There was potentially a brief opening when Gill fell and with Pandya potentially not being able to bat, there was an opening. And Shanto continued without a slip and the ball went straight to where split, sorry, slip should have been or could have been. So a sort of missed opportunity there. What did you think of Bangladesh's performance today, Adia? I think it sort of was, uh, at certain points, an opportunity loss for them. I think the kind of start, start they got. I think that is a very good way to neutralize India bowlers up front. Just, you know, being a little steady at the start, then doing well in the power play. And I think after the power play, uh, the way they targeted the spinners, I think that was probably a really good, uh, you know, platform to for them to get to a good score. But then again, it's it's sort of very difficult to not see Shakib Alassan in the middle order. It just the the batting just looks pretty weak when he's not there. So uh, and I just feel Mushfiqur Rahim is sort of not, you know, really the kind of number six you might need. Say if you want to to capitalize on a good start. So uh, I just feel that Shakib's uh, absence obviously was was dearly missed. In terms of bowling, I feel that um, again. Uh, I, I really like the way that they stuck on, you know, stuck to that bouncer to to sort of dismiss Rohit Sharma. I think that was really good. Uh, even like Shreya Sayar, they, they sort of like tied him up a bit. But then again, I just feel this, given the platform that they had, it, this could have been easily a 300 plus score. And when, once they did not reach that, it was an easy chase for India under lights. Yeah, and Hridoy didn't really get going. Either. It was a really good innings from Mamad Dullah, actually. I almost wonder, could he bat one or even two places higher in the order? Um, Neil asked, does Shadul Thakur get a bad rap? Lots of abuse on social media. And in an ideal world, sometimes he won't have to bat or bowl that much. But, you know, a wicket at six and a half runs and over isn't that bad for a sixth bowler who's going to get targeted no matter how he bowls. And there's this very, um, there's a clip that's going viral where Ian Bishop asks Shadul Thakur um, how he bowls the bobble seam. And he's like, I have no idea what happens once the ball is pitched. Neither does the batsman batter. So it's basically that sort of a thing with Shadul. Uh, what he does really well is um, you bring him on um, when a partnership is brewing and he somehow has that knack to pick up a wicket. Um, mm. Even so, more often than not in the first over itself. Um, I know the numbers aren't really sort of um, spectacular, as you would say, but he's not really a frontline bowler. So I think the kind of supporting role he does play, and he's picked up like the third most wickets for India since 2022 um, in ODIs. I think he's just doing his job. I think he's doing his job fairly well. Nothing spectacular. I do yeah. feel that his batting is sort of overemphasized. I don't think he's a great batter. The, the the whole concept of him bringing in batting strength and all of that. So this is this. I was going to ask you this. So there's a lot of debate around the England team at the moment in that Sam Curran is neither a, a first five bowler or a top seven batter. And then the question is, so why is he in the team? Like you, it, it's very theoretical that you're giving additional strength. I guess I, I understand that if he's if he's batting eight as opposed to maybe someone like Shami at eight. But with the ball, you, you could just have a a. a a stronger ball, which which might happen now that Pandy's out. Yeah, no, true. That's that's fair. Uh, I just get, I just feel that India, I think, over relies on that concept of him being a bowling all rounder. Uh, that that additional batting strength he provides is something that they they look to. Uh, but th I think on these pitches also, it's uh, it's sort of 
how he's able to you know bowl cross seam just various pace a bit that sort of a bowler somehow fits in india's plans mm. it's also interesting because shardul started off as a new ball bowler and now he's evolved into this bowler who is used more in the middle overs um i think it's just the criticism probably is more because there is no clearly defined role for him mm. um it's great to have you on today adia partly because you've been to a lot of games yourself and there's been a lot of conversation around the world actually about what the stadium experience might be in India there were some games notably the first game where there were very few people in the ground there have been some games of the atmosphere um from the UK looked brilliant um the England Afghanistan game you know it's not an India game and the atmosphere was brilliant South Africa Netherlands as well the atmosphere looked amazing um what was your perspective as someone who's gone to nearly as many games as anyone has I guess one thing is the attendance count that is being spoken about uh, there are different ways to look at it say in Ahmedabad um, the ground itself is so huge that it's if it is not filled really it won't look like um, you know a game has audience especially like the 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 basically the below the the first tier basically is all orange so if it's not filled it just it just looks jarring. really stands out yeah. yeah yeah so as good as it is when it's filled it looks as jarring and it's not so um that is there and especially i think for non india matches uh this is going to be a conversation uh odi format there's a different perception to things people people not everyone basically has the convenience to sit for 8 9 hours uh from 2 pm on a working day so for non india matches obviously india matches usually happen on a weekend you can expect better crowds you can expect near full houses and that's been the case so far for non india games i think the crowd still has been decent and i think uh, overall um, i think barring a couple of stadiums um, and i haven't been to lucknow yet uh, the crowd experience has been a bit iffy in terms of the response that people are giving as to how facilities are uh, some grounds have become really good say the delhi stadium apparently has done really they have done wonders you can see it in how the structure looks now in terms of providing facilities um, but at the end of it i would just say that for for an average fan accessibility continues to be a challenge right from t- booking tickets to to actually reaching the ground it's not always easy like there are few grounds that are in the middle of the city say a delhi the delhi stadium or the bangalore stadium where the fans can still come in but some are still on the outskirts like the hyderabad stadium the pune stadium uh, so for all these stadiums there'll still be a challenge getting in a full house and that's also a, a big dream to get in full house for non india matches mm. yeah i saw some chat that um the allocation of of games to different cities perhaps didn't give india the best opportunity to sell out non india games a lot of grounds that potentially don't host as much cricket as the traditional hubs in chennai bangalore mumbai have quite a lot of games which which might contribute um to to the attendances it's also again because every sort of every state association wants one india game so you need to sort of spread it across the whole country and it's a huge country obviously um it's crazy how much india is traveling through the world cup and especially even before the world cup in the warm up games there's a lot of politics there's a lot of uh, you know this and that which is not purely cricket that's happening in the background mm. so um but yeah at the end of it i think i am pretty fine with how much crowds have come in and what the interest levels are that was the concern at the start especially when the world cup should have started with an india game that was mm. something that i just couldn't understand why that was happening uh but yeah i think from the india pakistan game the world cup i think for india has has just started mm. um and finally we got a massive game tomorrow australia pakistan two of the teams right in the thick of it 
in the semi-final race. Both have had up and down campaigns so far. How do you see it going? Because, you know, realistically, it's, it's unlikely that both of these teams qualify for the semi-finals. There's a chance that they do, but given the start India and New Zealand have had, you're looking at two teams out of Australia, Pakistan, England, South Africa qualifying. So absolutely huge game. I think this is where the real Pakistan way will be tested. Um, because the coach and the director have said that they are a 330 team and they basically rely on scoring heavy and then uh, on their bowlers to do the job. Uh, they have, it's obviously been a bit unfortunate for them that, you know, sickness has come into the camp, there have been injuries. Um, but you can always trust Pakistan to to be in this spot of bother and then, you know, produce something extraordinary. I do feel that for tomorrow's game, Australia have a slightly upper hand. Uh, just that, you know, they didn't obviously start off well, but they have a win under their bag. And for them, it's usually about, you know, starting afresh from every game. Uh, but yeah, I was at I was at the practice session for both teams today. And um, um, interesting, you know, approaches. I think Pakistan, obviously, because they are under an injury and sickness cloud, they did not have five players coming in. There was five absentees. Um, I think what was, I think... In a very regular session for Australia, what was interesting was how much David Warner played right-handed. Um, even though there's very little novelty left in that. Uh, but yeah, I think for me, overall, I feel Australia might just be hitting their strides now. And I think mm -hmm. they could just, you know, come back. Pakistan are losing their way a bit. It depends yeah. on how this goes for them. What do you think? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I think people, including us, to be honest, have come to a reasonably firm conclusion as to where teams are at the moment. I think it's very dependent on who you've actually played. So, for example, on yesterday's podcast, we were saying New Zealand, obviously four wins from four, but they played three, maybe even four of the weakest teams in the competitions. So yeah. it's hard to really work out exactly where teams are. Australia, you know, they actually were quite competitive for a lot of that game against India. Obviously, the end result was looked pretty one-sided, but, you know, 65, 70% of the way through that game, it was actually pretty even. South Africa game didn't go well, but again, you're talking about two potential semi-finalists there. Um, whereas Pakistan had a pretty close game against Sri Lanka, who are, who are the only team that's winless, um, were, were annihilated by India, really, in the end. And and actually, again, I think the final scoreline probably flattered Pakistan against Netherlands. Um, yeah. it, it ended up pretty comfortable, but you know they were 38 for three. There were points in the run chase where Netherlands looked pretty good. Um, I just think their bowling attack is so much weaker than it than it could be. Uh, Shaheen's not at his best. Nasim's injured. Harris Ralph looks really good, um, but Shadab's not at his best either. Mohammed Nawaz, for me, I, I don't really see how he's ended up being their left arm spinner when Imad Wasim is still a professional cricketer. I don't know what Nawaz has that Wasim doesn't have. So it's yeah. not as strong a Pakistan team as, as I think it could have been at this point. And obviously, Fakhar Zaman has been a rock at the top of the order for five, six years he's sort of played himself out of the team. Imam's been yeah. a bit shaky. So, you know, they're still a really good team. They're a team that had a really good recent run. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, they they pick things up. You know, we know what they're like at major tournaments. They have their ups, they have their downs. And you'd say, optimistically, if you're a Pakistan fan, they've yet to have a major up. So maybe tomorrow will be a good time to have it. Um, anyway, thanks a lot for your time, Adia. Um, Fingers crossed tomorrow is a thriller we've really been looking forward to. I think it would be. It's a Chinnaswami Stadium. It's where um, huge runs are scored. Um, yeah, I think I think for me, Glenn Maxwell is sort of the person I'm, you know, putting my money on to do really well. Yeah, well, fingers crossed it's a thriller. Adia, thanks for your time. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow. 
Thank you, yes. Sports Social Podcast Network.